Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm kind of going to be all over the place, and let me tell you um, what we're going to be talking about for this Advent season. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13 today. Uh, it's where we're going to start from, but really, like I said, we're going to be all over, so if you want to to also turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. We'll be there as well. Um, It's a season of the year where we say that Jesus is the reason for the season, but the actuality is this whole season is for the true reason, the true reason of Jesus Christ. And so we get this all backwards when we think that, that, that there is a season out there and that just Christ is a part of this. This whole season is because of Christ. That's why we celebrate what we celebrate as brothers and sisters in Christ. So today and the next few weeks, all the way leading up to Christmas, what I'd like to do is take the name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So when we say Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that has meaning to us. But I want to give you the true meaning of what those words mean. So as we dig into this, it'll help us see that this is not just uh, a reason for the season, but this is the season for the reason. This is all about Christ Jesus, and and everything that we celebrate should be pointing to that. Everything that we do should be pointing to that. It shouldn't be just a part of what we do. It is why we do what we do, all right? And so let's break down today, and we'll start with Jesus, the name of Jesus. So, um... When, when John chapter 1 says it, it says this, There was a true light which came into the world and enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Born of God, all right? So when what is this passage trying to say to us? The passage is telling us that the world was dead in darkness, still is, and that light came into the world. It says that light came into the world. The world, did the world receive the light? No, the world didn't receive the light. He came to his own. Did his own receive him? Did the Jewish nation, did the Israelites receive him? No, they did not. But he still came. And to those who believe what? What are we supposed to believe in? Believe in his what? Name. We believe in the name of Jesus, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but they're born of God. Now, this is a very important thing that I want you to see here, what this passage gives to us and then what we go through today. Because when we talk about the name of Jesus and when we truly break down what the name of Jesus means, which is what we're about to do um, over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, and so as we look at that, I want you to understand that the meaning of the name brings meaning to what we worship. And that's what we need to understand, why we worship what we worship, why we believe what we will believe. The last three words of this passage are going to be repeated, okay? And as we look at the details of this scripture of what Jesus' name means, we need to understand, but of God. And then as we look at passages later on, it's going to say, but God. So you need to understand that this begins with God. It truly begins with God. It does not begin with us. 
We put ourselves in this situation because of sin that was in the world and how sin came into the world, but God still moved. So when we look at the name of Christ, we're going to look at it this Sunday through the eyes of um, Joseph, and next Sunday we'll look at it through the eyes of Mary. But this is what the Lord had to say to Joseph. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save people from their sins. So an angel of the Lord appears, and he speaks to Joseph. He tells Joseph that the child that is about to be conceived by his, what? His fiance is of who? Of God, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And his name will be called Jesus, for he saves his people from their sins. The two things I really want you to see about this, about what Jesus' name means, is one, that one, God, which talks about the sovereignty of God. It means God saves, all right? And if you, if you were one of the lucky bulletin receivers today, you got the notes already filled in for you. Did you receive those? How many of y'all received those, all right? <laughs> so that we, had, we had technical errors, so that was great. You've already got all the blanks filled in. You can go to sleep for the next 30 minutes, all right? But the word Jesus, the name Jesus, means God saves. So as we break this down and we look at the God portion of this, this speaks to the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over all things. And so even though, even though that there was sin in the world and the relationship which God created us to have with him is broken, it's still about God. So as we go into a season, it's still and should always be about who? About God. So if we keep our focus and our intent on that, we will see the true reality of what it means to have a Savior. To have a Savior, the first thing we must realize is that we are not sovereign in and of ourselves. The actual need for a Savior shows that we, have, that, that we do not have the ability to save ourselves. And so if we do not have the ability to save ourselves, <coughs> something needs to happen for us to, to fix the relationship. We cannot fix the relationship on our own. And so we can't initiate this. It doesn't, we can't look up and say, oh, wow, we've broken fellowship with God because of our sin. Let's go make this right. We can't make it right. And so just as it said in the John chapter 1 passage, but of God, we need to realize that this starts and it ends with God. It doesn't start with us. So the sovereignty of God is is what initiates this for us. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14 say this in the Old Testament. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, he said. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Now look, all the other gods in the Old Testament, all the pagan gods, foreign gods, whatever you wanted to call it, they all had names. 
And so when Moses goes up to the mountain and, and, and is with God and he comes back down and he has this experience, he's like, well, who am I supposed to tell him met with me? What God met with me? He says, I am. In the Old Testament, that would come out to Jehovah. It was actually in Hebrew back in the day. I know I'm going to give you something here, which you probably don't want, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. It helps me to justify the money that was spent on a um, seminary degree. So it makes me feel better about myself. But the, the Hebrew is all consonants. Hebrew is all consonants. So it's really just four letters, all right, that make up Jehovah. And then the consonants are added in there to make the name which, we, which, what, which is what we have. Yahweh is what it would have been, all right? And so in those letters right there, it is, and it truly means, I am. Well, how does that fix into to what we think about God and, and, and who he is? He just is. There's no name that describes God. He just says, I am. You need to tell them not who I am, but that I am. Now, I want you to think about that and see how that speaks to the sovereignty of God. We name all kinds of stuff, don't we? We name our pets. We name animals. We name our cars. We name our houses. We name all kinds of stuff that we've got. We give pet names to this, pet names to that. We put a name on something. What does Scripture, and we're going to get there at the end and we'll bring this back up, but what does Scripture say about the name of Jesus? It is, what in Philippians it says what? I'm sorry? Every knee shall bow. It is the name above all names. So when God speaks and gives the name of Jesus, it is not a reference to a human name. It is a reference to what? It is a reference to him. Because he has just told Moses in the Old Testament, my name, I'm not even going to give you a name. I am. And then look what happens in the New Testament. New Testament says this in Galatians 4, 4. It says, There the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold a virgin, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm reading Isaiah 7, 14. He says, Behold the virgin is with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. So in the Old Testament, God gives himself no name whatsoever. He says, I am. And then that speaks to the sovereignty of him. He is above all other gods. He doesn't even need a name. Remember how the nation of Israel would come back and say, we need a king. He says, you don't need a king because who's your king? I'm your king. But then they said, we want a human king. So he gave them a human king. Was that person um, righteous? They picked him himself. It was Saul. He was not righteous. Then God picked a king. Did it look anything like what they wanted? It didn't. But God, was David holy? No, God made him holy. Do you see what I'm talking about here? There's a sovereignty of God, and God is above all this, but, but God is one that moves in all of this. It doesn't start with us. We don't turn on this season. We don't flip a calendar and say Thanksgiving's over. Now we can focus on Christmas. It begins with God. So there isn't a season when we focus on Christ. We should be focused on Christ all the time. He should be the reason for all of our season. He is the pure exist, the reason for our existence. 
And so when we get this out of order, we just kind of move in our life, secrement from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to keep our focus upon him. So when he gives us the name of Jesus, it begins with him, God and his sovereignty. In Galatians 4, 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that passage right there, he lays out, and Paul does, exactly how God moved in this instance. God, in the fullness of time, when time was right, he sent forth his son. He sent forth that son, born of a woman, and he was born under the same law. What does that mean? That means he was born under the law of sin that you and I were born under. But that doesn't mean that he was captive to it. Why was he not captive to it? He's not captive to it because he was born of what? The Holy Spirit. He was not born of the flesh of man. Because he was born of the Holy Spirit, he breaks the sin line. So God moves, and then not only does God move, but God initiated that move in such a way as to break the sin of man and give us a true righteous Savior. Because one, God and the second thing that Jesus means, saves. So God saves. So not only is this about the sovereignty of God, the fact that God begins this and that God initiate this and God had a plan for this and God moves and, and it was all planned out. But it is a salvific move for us. It is a move to move us from the state in which we are in right now in our sinful humanity to be able to have a proper relationship back with God. So the first thing that Jesus means is about God and his sovereignty. The second thing is that, that he saves. It was about redemption. We needed to be redeemed because we cannot be left in our sin and live with God. You know, we were talking today in our Sunday school class about, um, we're, we're studying in Genesis chapter 25 through 50. And as we're studying in Genesis, um, in that particular instance, God made a statement to Isaac and Rebekah about their two sons. All right? He said that the second would serve the first. So Esau was born first as a twin, but Jacob became the true lineage of the tribe of Israel and became the one that God moved through. God had a plan, but Rebekah and Jacob were deceptive and tried to bring about their own plan and bring it into existence the way that they wanted to. And so they deceived Isaac to try to win the birthright. When God had already said the birthright was going to come through him, See, we try to take this and we try to manipulate it and move it the way we want it to go. God had already said that this was going to happen, so guess what? It was going to happen. God has already spoken all of this into existence, but we marred it up. We marred it up because we thought we knew. Adam and Eve said, uh, is, there really, is God really going to kill us if we eat of this fruit? Yes. It brought death into this world. It brought destruction into this world. It brought sin into this world. And once that happened, it needed to be fixed. There needed to be some way that you and I could be redeemed from that, brought back from that peril. Why? Why does God care? He loves us. 
We don't even love ourselves. But God loves us. So when we start to think about decorating and about all the presents that we have to buy and about all the events that we have to go through and go to and about all the family planning that we have to do and about the food that we have to prepare and about the arrangements that have to be made, transportation. My goodness, we've got to even board our pets. There's all kinds of stuff that we have to take care of and it goes into our mind throughout this season. We need to stop all of that. We need to realize and put what this really is about in the right perspective. This shouldn't be a time where we think about all that stuff. This should be a time of the year, every year, when we are reminded about the true sovereignty of God and about His salvific, redemptive plan for us. Scripture says this in Galatians 4, 5, following right after that. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that, verse 5 says, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons. So He sent His Son so that you and I might what? Become sons. So that we might become brothers and sisters in Christ, through Christ. Now, if you go back to John chapter 1, it says that he was there from the foundation of the world. He was the light of the world. All of this was was created through him. Why did he come and do this? Why did he leave heaven for us? Because God loved us so much that he sent his son to do this redemptive work. God saves. He saves us. He saves us from ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty bad. A lot of people may say that people are good. I look at myself and say, I'm pretty messed up. And if it was without and, and, and went without the redemptive purposes of God, there's no telling where I would put myself. It's called the depravity of the mind. And I know that you guys have never had this happen to you before because y'all are good people, all right? But, but I have bad thoughts that come in my mind. And I have to battle those. Some of those are bad thoughts about what I should say to people. Some of those are bad thoughts about how I should act towards people. Some of those are just attitudes where I don't want to help and don't want to be a servant and won't want to be a follower. There's all kinds of battles that take place in my heart and my mind all the time on a daily basis. So if I don't focus on the redemptive qualities of Christ, I will get myself focused on the flesh of my humanity. And if I focus on the flesh of my humanity, I become just like Rebecca and Jacob. I want my plan to work the way I want it to work because I am selfishly looking out for Tim. And what it does is it causes me not to love my children, love my wife, love my congregation, love this lost world. And I lose that love. It's a hardening, the scripture calls it a hardening of the heart. Now look, if a doctor told us that we would have, that we had hardening of the arteries, we would do everything that's within us to stop that process so that we could live longer, right? We would go do whatever we needed to do to correct that. But when there's a hardening of our heart that takes place spiritually, we just tend to let it go. 
We're not really worried about it. We think, hey, you know what? I'm saved. I got a right relationship with God, but we don't care about anybody else. What if God thought about us that way? If God thought about us that way as individuals, would he have ever sent his son? When what happened in the Garden of Eden and we were cut off because of our sin from him, why didn't he just say, well, that experiment didn't work very well. I'll wipe them out and I'll start all over again. God didn't do any of that. When God created the heavens and the, and the angels, and even when the angels turned again, why didn't he just wipe all that out and start all over again and keep trying to go until everybody followed him the way that, that they were created to? Why did he not do that? Because why? He knew that we were going to sin. He knew that we are flawed. But he still loved us. Still loved us. So Jesus Christ, who was over every single bit of this, along with the Holy Spirit in heaven, are all sitting up there, and in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of the Holy Spirit, so that he could save us. Save us redemptively from ourselves. He is keeping Tim Hunter from truly becoming the rotten Tim Hunter that he could be. And he is truly keeping you from becoming who you could be in your sin and in your flesh. That is redemption. That is moving us from where we would be on our own, taking us, saving us, from ourselves and our sins. So here's the, the ultimate of the passage today, or the completion of what I wanted to say to you in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, verse 8. As just as it said at the end of John chapter 1 in verse 13, it says again, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God's gift to you is a whole lot better than a painted Christmas ornament that I'm giving you. God's gift to you is salvific. He gives us the opportunity to renew the relationship that we were created to have with him in the right way. It is done by his mercy, and it is done by his grace. It is not done because you have graced him with your presence here today, and because mercifully you have showed up and been a part of a worship service. That's not it. It's by his grace and mercy. It has nothing to do with you. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. But God loved you so much that he sent that son, his son, to die for you so that you might have a relationship with him. God is salvific. The name of Jesus is the name that is above all names. Why? Because it is a picture of the salvation of God. It is a picture of how our creator stepped in and moved. 
And because he moved, all of our lives should be about him. This is not a switch that we flip on. It's not something where we get up on Sunday and say, I'm going to go to church today. It's not a switch that we flip on in a season and say, you know what? It's getting close to Christmas. I think I'll go to church. It's not a switch that we flip on and say, it's close to Easter. I think I need to do this. It's not a switch we flip on and say, hey, you know what? I haven't had my sins forgiven through communion or through how somebody else might worship, through a priest and go get themselves cleansed. It's not about that. It's about God. Because the name of his son truly means that he is salvific for us. He redeems us. God moved. God saves. It is not about anything that you do. It is not about anything that I do. It's all about what he's done. And when we get this picture and when we get this understanding and we start to put this in focus, then when we hear the name of Jesus and when we know what it means in us, that we're, oh my gosh, it's going to open up. It's going to blow our mind. So this week we're talking about the name of Jesus. Next week we're going to talk about Messiah and Christ and what that means. Then the next week we're going to talk about lordship and what it truly means to have him as Lord of our lives. And then we're going to talk about Savior. We're going to talk about the true meaning of salvation for us. So when we say Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of our life, it is going to bring new meaning to who we are. Hopefully when we get up in the morning, it's going to be, show us a new perspective of who we are. God moved. God moved for you. God moved for me. He did that because he loves us. He loves us with a love that is greater than life itself. Do you love him that way? He's moving your life in such a way as to redeem you from yourself. Are you going to return to living for yourself? Meaning, are you going to put all this stuff in front of him? Are you going to allow yourself to be caught up in the things of this world? Are you going to check out because it's too much for you to bear? Are you going to drown your life with liquids that help you to forget? Are you going to take substances that alter who we are so maybe we don't have to think about it? Are you just going to lay it all down? Just lay it all down. Are you going to be so wound up and so anxious about all the things that lie ahead that you let it change your attitude? That you let it change your perspective on life? If we do that, we've allowed our enemy to, to win. God has already won this war. But we lose battles every single solitary day. Because we forget what the name of Jesus means to us. God has saved us. He has saved us from ourselves. He has saved us from all of this stuff. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us with a price so that we might live for him. And that brings more meaning than any day's 
weeks, or months could bring in the terms, or years, in the terms of pressure and pain. If we know this, then we're under compulsion to live this. If we live it, then that light that has come into the world will shine in us and through us. We know this because this is what Scripture tells us. And in every way, shape, form, or fashion in our life, we can bring meaning. In this place, Lottie Moon, we can bring it to foreign missionaries throughout the world. Annie Armstrong, we can bring it to, you know, North American mission, um, missions throughout the, our country and our continent. We can do it in so many ways, shape, forms, and fashions. You can do it through your smile. Just be that. But to be it, you've got to see it. Do you see it this morning? Do you see the love of God? Hopefully that you feel the love of God. Because he's moved in such a way, in such a massive way, to be with you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for this day. I'm thankful for who you are. Lord, we get caught up in moments, and we get caught up in events, and we get caught up in things that go on. Lord, I know that this is the Christmas season, the time of the year when we celebrate your birth. But what are we celebrating? Are we celebrating gifts that we give to others? Or are we celebrating the greatest gift that was given to us? Are we celebrating by giving stuff to other people, putting their names on packages? Are we celebrating the name that is above every name? Do we see this for truly what it is that you, God of all creation, loved me enough, dead in my trespasses and sins, to send your son, born in the time in which you chose, of a woman which you chose, to live in this world, to be sinless, so that I might be able to have a relationship with you, so that I might be an adopted son. Open our eyes, Father. Help us to see so that our hearts may be pure and our minds clear. It's these things we ask and these things we pray for now in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. We're going to